No, 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 no. We're not finna argue about that. Let me tell you, hey, Sam Presti is the worst NBA owner in history. Ibaka, Durant, Harden, now Westbrook, gone? Westbrook? That's absolutely terrible. He need to fire himself. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that. But hey, 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 I was listening to my man's podcast. And yo, he, he's my guy now. 2,000%. So I had to ask this question. Hey, yo, Joe Button, what you think of the podcast? Yeah. It's all a facade is what I'm saying. And here we go. The following podcast contains explicit language. Facade Podcast Fam Oh what's happening <laughs> Alright what y'all up to man It's late Late We're in the studio extra late tonight But I, I gotta get it done Y'all gotta get it done I, I posted I got it done yesterday But life keeps happening to me You, you ever had a situation where life just kind of happened to you I had had a situation. I was I was with a uh, so this place called Gaslight that would be going to the smoke. These sticks, right? And so it was me and like one, two, three, four, five black men. And so we just went and had a conversation, you know, just about what it means to be black and men and the things that we want to do with the uh, hundred black men. We had, we man, we talked from. What time was we there? We was there from 6 o'clock to 1.30 in the morning. In the morning? Just having a conversation, right? So I, I joined 100 Black Men of West Texas, right? And so I think I'm, I'm going to get on this this education community. I know a little bit about education. Everybody can't teach you how to change your brakes, but I teach you how to get a PhD 100%. Excuse the pun, because that's what I do. Teach you how to get a PhD. But I can't teach you how to get a PhD. And so, yeah, it, it, was, it was so lovely. The conversation, it just, it just man, it, it was like putting coals on my, on my fire that was going out. So now we like, I'm ready to get it. Get it, get it. Yeah, but oh, oh, oh I forgot. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad, man. Hey, pump your brakes. Yeah, so, forgot to do the show. So this is the Facade Podcast. Hosted by the two of me, the professor, the student, hip-hop junkie, R&B savant, the radical conservative, hustler, never the informant, the one who seeks to understand while being understood. Here, all are welcome. Now, I realize that my nerd don't always translate well, so bear with me. But yeah, I hope everything's good in y'all world. The semester's over. Grades turned in. We finna burn this facade podcast oil for the next 45 days. Right? We got some stuff. Hold on. Gotta get this coffee. Gotta get this coffee break. I, I, so, sidebar. I drink coffee all day. Uh, I, like, so I, get, I hit the floor about 6, six in the morning, 6.30, and then... Uh, Brew that pot of coffee, and I brew like six cups. I put it so, man. I got this. Uh, I got this big old jug. I guess it's like a uh, a yeti. No, is that what, what's it called? Yeti. 
No, what it ain't. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, it's this Yeti thing that it's uh it's like a jug. It's like a half a gallon, I think. And it's it's metal. And so you can uh you gotta screw the little top on or whatever. So I make six cups of coffee and pour it off in that. And so I drink two of those a day. Twelve cups of coffee. And so I heard that drinking coffee is a diuretic. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that yet. <laughs> I'm down to 212, so you know, from, up from 226. So I lost like 14 pounds. I'm I'm good. I'm out here in these streets. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. So you know, I I, I feel it's it's good. It's all good. And so that was me with the hundred black men. And so in the city, we got this other group called my brother's keeper and sister's keeper. So they they've evolved, right? And so I met with them today. Uh, with the founders for lunch, and so I met with them, and so they do. They focus on uh, reentry from prison. So if persons have been to prison, they come out. They got a program. They uh, they go represent people with, with uh, help them with legal counsel, and they if you got drug problems, they try to help you with that. And so it's just you know it's work. It's work getting done in the community, you know. And I feel humbled, uh, you know, uh, appreciative that I can be a part of it, you know, because I'm I'm finna. We finna get out here and do some work, man. We're getting ready to get out here in these streets and do some work. I love being at, at the campus, right? But the campus is different than the streets. And so, yeah, yeah. Finna get into these here streets. And so even though I wasn't gonna talk about this, like I said before, you know, earlier in the podcast, just for the, uh, the intro, Russell Westbrook to Houston? Man, come on. Hey, man, Chris Paul is trash. He, hey, he need to be on a team with Carmelo Anthony because he's trash too. He's retired. He just don't know it yet because nobody wants your services. But, yeah, Chris Paul, I mean, so they, they, I was reading, you know, by Wojciechowski or whatever, and they were saying, he was saying that the Thunder got like 15 first-round picks. 15 first round picks. So I know I know the rebuilding phase is now. But some of the picks is 2026. So they ain't, ain't no rings coming to the city, to the Thunder. I've been getting texts all day. Thunder up, Thunder up. We finna, we finna run. We finna take this. Uh, no, we're not finna take it. We had it where we was taking it. And LeBron and them took it from us with the Miami Heat in 2011. So yeah, we're not. We're not Thunder we fans. We're not going back. We're finna be an extra small market. So all them, all them $200 Mitchell and Ness Russell Westbrook jerseys, I'm finna go get me one for about $25.75. <laughs> they going to be in the bin at the Dollar Tree. Because <laughs> he out of here. And so I'm looking forward to getting, you know, jumping in there. Doing my thing with his jersey. I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, yeah, that, that ain't that ain't the, the, the topic. So I want to welcome the new listeners. If you never heard of Facade Podcast, this is me, Doc Hotch. Yeah, son of hip-hop. Here to do my thing. And the Facade Podcast is the format. So we got five seemingly random topics that I address briefly. Then we get into my therapy exercise. Got a therapist. Reason why I created the podcast. Gives me a challenge that I do at the beginning of every podcast, after the intro, and the five random things, seemingly, right? And then we get to either or, neither nor, what we not going to do, talking about and the detangle, right? And so, hey, I'm extra hype. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm too awake. My heart ain't palpitating <laughs> for, for me drinking all this coffee, but I feel like I'm 
tool work. So anyway, let me say something to y'all. I am what you call a fashion aficionado. That's what I'm called, right? Fashion aficionado. I spend a lot of money in Joseph A. Bank. So for those of you who are out there buying things, you know, to get your to get your glam right, like Joseph A. Banks, even though I would love to say the Facade Podcast, episode 12 is sponsored by Joseph A. Banks, I can't. But I will say this, from all the mountain load of comments I got, uh, 92% of which were me. That's fire. Appreciate you. Yeah, Joseph A. Banks got the gear. I got three circle suits. So I got the I got the blue, I got the tan, and I got the uh the lavender, the lavender. Slaps. Extra slaps. So I got the mod ras, which is uh it's a whole lot of colors put together. Yeah, a whole lot of colors put together. It's extra dope. I saw you can't wear the pants with the jacket, because I don't want to blind nobody while I'm walking. But I got the mod ras, so I'm looking good in that. I got the navy blue suit from uh, Joseph A. Banks. And so, but the point of this is, I want to tell y'all, a lot of y'all was commenting about, so I put some stuff on Instagram every, whenever I get some new shoes because I'm a sneakerhead. I got the new Jordans, the uh, red, black, and, uh, I'm going to say green, the red, black, and white joints. I got those. And so I put out this little video, and people was uh, trying to clown my fresh because my shoes don't match, my socks don't match my pants. Let me give you a secret to fashion. None of it's supposed to match. So if I got if I got a banana yellow pant on with a navy blue and teal sock on, stand sock, right? And I got on the black graduation 12s, right? Hey, that don't go together. But it goes together for my fresh. Right? So I'm here to tell you, I ain't afraid of no outfit on earth. I'm not afraid of it. Now, some things I will wear together, so I'm not going to wear flowers with diagonal circles and triangles <laughs> with, a, with a striped pen. Now, like, I'm not going to do that. Right? So shapes is different than colors for me. Right? So I'm not, I, I don't mix and match my shapes or but my colors, man, it's all it's all good. The colors can extra go hard. Plus, I'm not a uh, I'm a I'm a fashion I'm not a uh, a whole suit fashion guy, right? So if I'm gonna wear if I'm a mix and match, I won't have the same brand on unless we flying. So if it's flight suit, we're just wearing Jordans, Air Jordan, everything, Nike, everything. It's, you know, I'm a Nike head, so that's what we're doing. But fashion, man, you gonna see me out here. My suspenders don't never match my shirt. So I might have a baby blue. So I like white collars. So I might have a baby blue in the pink or the navy blue or the pumpkin or the, uh, uh, what's that color? Man, the name chartreuse. Like I might have that on with the white collar. Ugh. And the Pussy T-Boys. Like that's, that's extra nuts. I'm going to wear that for sure to get out here and get it y'all to show how to do my fresh. But that's just me. I ain't afraid. So for all of you who's, who now I love black. Black is my primary color because it absorbs all colors. So I love black. But, you know, black, navy, brown. Like sometimes, you know, I, I tell people I dress how I feel, right? And so if you see me coming from a mile away, I'm having a great day. I'm going to be all colored up. Like somebody spilled the box of crayons on the floor. That's how we doing it, right? Because I'm dressing how I feel. 
I, I'm a colorful person inside. I'm dark on the outside, but colorful on the inside. So I'm going to dress the way that I want to dress. So don't let nobody shame you for your fresh. Excuse the rhyme. However you put it out there, salute to you. Put it out there. Second, hey, so here's what happens. So my boys came up. My, so my weekend was extra packed, as you know. So I had to grade, I had to grade 24 papers. And papers was due on uh, July 5th. Papers was due July 5th, right? And so because papers was due July 5th, I had to grade 24 papers that was due. No, they were due July 6th because it was Saturday night. They were due July 6th at midnight. All those papers had to be graded and grades posted by noon on Monday morning. So all I had was one day to grade 24 papers. And so here's the thing. For all of you who aspire to be a professor, let me tell you this. If you got 24 papers to grade and each one of those papers is 20 pages, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, hold on, let me do the math. Hold on, because my math ain't all that. Uh, uh, 24 times 12, uh. That's 288 pages of papers that I had to grade. And you got to get some feedback. So you got to loosely be in that paper for 45 minutes to get a feedback, to read it and get feedback, right? So that's like 20 hours. And I only had like 24 hours. I only had like 24, 20, 30 hours <laughs> to get those papers graded. So I ain't sleep much. I was into my coffee thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was drinking my coffee, staying up, midnight all getting burnt, right? But my boys came up, right? And so we went golfing. So my boys came up and we went golfing, right? And so because I intermittently fast, I talked about on the podcast before, I was 226. Now I'm 212. Fluctuates between 212, 210, 211. Told you already, I've been in the gym doing my thing. I hit 205. In the fall, I'm teaching with my shirt off 100%. Job on the line, I ain't caring. That's what, it's going to go viral 100%. But because I intermittently fast, that means I only eat between noon and 8 every day. So you should be eating after 8 o'clock, right? Because your body, and sometime in between there, you need to work out between 12 and 8, to burn all that fuel off, right? And so we went golfing, right? <laughs> so when I, so, so it's, it's a beautiful golf course is here, but the place that we went, I called in, right? And I was like, hey, I want to get a tee time because my boys is coming up, and we're going to get a, uh, we want to go golfing on Saturday. And she was like, well, do you want to go golfing at 2.30? And I was like, 2.30? It's going to be like 108 at 2.30. So we're not doing that. Seems like well, people get, some people like to golf in the heat of the day. And I heard black people don't like to golf in the heat of the day. I'm not doing nothing in the heat of the day unless I'm uh, swimming at a park, at a water park somewhere in the United States. Not doing that. So I was like, no, nah, you got something like 6 o'clock. She was like, no, nah, it's, it's already full. So we went to go golf at like, our tea time was 8.10. So we went to go, go golf. We in a... Uh, 
and it scrambled three of us, and so another person paired with us. So it was four. He was an LD. I mean, he had to be in like sixty-two. He was murdered. He murdered us on the golf course. But uh, so we went out, and we went through. By the time we got to maybe hole thirteen, that sun was out from behind them clouds. So it was a little overcast. So it, it didn't feel like we was uh, playing golf in hell. But it was. It was getting. It was starting to cook. Like we was playing golf in a skillet. That's what it felt like. It started to cook up. But anyway, so we go through nine. So when you come around, for those of you who ain't played golf, you got nine holes on the front nine. Oh, well, yeah. And then you got nine holes on the back nine. So when you go around in the front nine, you come back, you go a circle to come back to where you got on the course to begin with. So when you do that, you can come into the building. We came into the building, and I was like, well, no, actually, I was like, man, I'm getting hungry because I need to get something to eat. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm about to pass out out here. And so the elder was like, hey, why don't you call in and make your order? So I called in, and I was like, I shoot. I need to, what y'all cooking at the the grill? They was like, what do you want? I was like, well, I want an omelet. I went on with hash browns, right, and some orange juice. And so I made that order, and I got there, and I, you know, when I walked in the door, they had my omelet ready, fresh off the grill. And my boys called out to me. I was like, what? They was like, man, that's, that's improper golf etiquette. I was like, what, to not starve to death while y'all there playing? They was like, who orders an omelet to eat in between the nine holes switch off that we getting ready to do? I said, me, man, I'm hungry. I lift up my shirt off that city's ribs. Look, well, I know you can't because you're going to cheat the six-pack. But look past the six-pack. You see these ribs right here? I'm extra hungry, man. They touch it. So they clowned me. I, so I don't know the rules of golf. Like, I play golf three times a year. And when I do it, well, I do it with my boys. So I used to do it with my line brothers, Mark, John, and Mike, who ain't my line brother. I made Mike swatted him plenty of times till tears came out of his eyes. But not him. He's not my line brother, but he goes us with us when we golf. Or when I hang out with my boys, Andre and Bernard and Myron. So we went to go hang out. They came up. Bernard didn't get to come up. He wasn't feeling well. But Andre and Myron came up. Anyway, they said I broke golf etiquette. For those of you who listen to the show, I need you to call in, well, to DM me and let me know, hey, did I break the golf etiquette? Because I don't know. I was hungry. The lady said you can order whatever you want. I ordered my omelet. I scoffed it down because they were standing there tapping. Hey, we got somebody's coming. They like It's like the meme with the uh, judge tapping on her, on her wrist. We, we got somebody coming behind us. It wasn't nobody behind us. We, <laughs> we, we teed off at 18. I don't think the next group teed off till 9 o'clock. So they trying to rush me. So, they yeah, they that's my, my talk about that. So, yeah, eat an omelet. Here's my thing. Don't be hungry no matter what you do. Don't let nobody food shame you into starving and your ribs touching. That, yeah, that's my word of the day. Don't do that. Topic three. I've been having this topic, and I think I'm revisiting it again. It's this degree versus entrepreneurship, right? And so and when we had that six-hour talk, with 100 black men, one of the pillars for the initiatives is uh, education. And so, again, I believe that the purpose of education is to stratify the citizenry. In order for me to get an $8 cup of coffee, somebody got to be purposefully locked out of education so they can't get a degree. That's what I believe, right? And so, but I also believe that colleges and universities teach you how to work for somebody. They don't teach you how to be entrepreneurs and work for yourself. So we talking. So it's a local brother that's 17, and he, do, he does shoe restoration. As a sneakerhead, I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> so I, I reached out to the young brother. I was like, hey, man, I, I hit him with the shark tank. I was like, hey, give me the evaluation of your business. He was like, what? 
the evaluation of my business. I was like, yeah, give me the evaluation of your business because I need to be doing some business with you about these shoes. And so I believe that if we got behind him, right, so we're we 100 black men, if we put $1,000 up a piece, that's like, it's like uh, maybe 50, 60 of us. That's like 60 racks. 60 racks? What, what are we doing? We, we should be able to go to the high schools and be like, hey, uh, young generation, hip-hop generation, what y'all doing? What, what y'all creating? We got some money to invest some small capital into y'all, right? Need a piece of your business because you know you got to get the money back that you invested, right? Nothing crazy, 2 3% in perpetuity, right? You know, and uh, like Mr. Wonderful be doing on, on the real Shark Tank, and then we can help you get your business off the ground, right? So I'm, I'm for that. Right for helping him get set up, cause he's doing his thing, but he can be doing it globally. Like we we in a world where now people can buy stuff from me from overseas. Right sidebar, got the colors buying box. So the colors buying box is something that that we do through for white parents who get black children, adopt black children. It's a monthly subscription box. We got we got customers in New Zealand. They order that box, comes right to their door. And it gives me their materials about how to raise your black child, right? And each month is themed, so it got a different, you know, skew on things about what it means to be black and how to raise your black child because you don't have the spiritual knowledge because you're not black, but you're a parent, you love your kids, right? And so I'm going to meet with this young brother in live so we can talk to him about doing his shoe restoration business because I think uh, Foot Locker invested $100 million in GOAT.com, right? When you can buy shoes, you know, here's the process. Nike dropped a dope shoe. It's $190. It sell out in one minute. It's been times. I, so, sidebar, fear of, fear of God by Nike. I need to get that shoe. Any one of them. I don't care what color it is. I need to get that shoe, right? It can come out in, per, in periwinkle. I need to get that shoe color, right? That colorway. And so, can't get it. I log on, holding my phone in my hand, sneakers app go live at 9, I click on the button, by 901 it sold out, and I didn't get selected. I am hot each time. Because then, the people that got that bought it, they put it on go. And guess what? It cost $190. Well, fear of God, was like maybe 310 $310, but when they put it on there, it's 1300 so they do a markup. So it's on the back end flip, right? So it's like flipping a house. So sidebar, before I went to a woman fan in Utah to go get my PhD, we used to flip houses, right? And so I didn't realize I was flipping houses until I spent $10,000 one day in Lowe's. And I was like, okay, I'm all in, right? So flipping a house, I know what goes into it. You got your profit margin. You try to sell the house. You try to flip it in 30 days so you don't have to pay the next note. 45 days, you're going to be stressing, right? That first note. And so... I want to create a situation where I can work with this young brother or young people in general that need investors in their business, right? Because I, I want to see them get paid. Now, I realize that a lot of people, and talking to a lot of young people, they're like, hey, I got, I'm a theater major. It cost me $70,000 to get my undergraduate degree from Southern Methodist University. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to take me. You get your job in theater, you might come out making thirty two five. 32.5 is a lot of money if you 22 and you ain't never had a job before. But when you got $70,000 worth of debt, what it do? How, how, how you going to negotiate that? 70 racks is a lot. This uh, entrepreneur, it's, sorry, it's, uh, I would encourage everybody. If you want to get a degree, be an engineer. <laughs> 100%.
right? So, for instance, the university that I work at, right, this is the young alphas on this campus, they moving and shaking. Like, 90% of them are engineers. They graduate. At 22, they getting $80,000 job right out the bat, straight out the gate. They getting seven racks a month at 22. No kids. Like, they getting, they securing the bag. So, if they took the $70,000 worth of debt, and they making $80,000, ah, five years, they out of debt, right? But if you're the theater major, it's not going to look so well, right? So that's, so that's my juxtaposition. Get the college degree or become an entrepreneur. Or you can do both. You can side hustle. When I was an undergraduate, I was, uh, well, when I was an undergraduate, graduated, moved to Macon, Georgia, and I was at Mercer. I was in that environment. I was cutting the style in young women's hair. I didn't have a degree in that. But I knew how to cut hair, right? And wash hair and make it look nice. I know I do that back in the day. And so, but as a side hustle, right? As I worked at the newspaper with my degree trying to get put on as a journalist. That's a whole other story. But entrepreneurs, I want people to be entrepreneurs, get your bag, but I want people to get the college degree too. I done seen it. Me getting my college degree, change the trajectory of my family. So, you know, do your thing that you got to do, whatever that thing is. Do that thing to get your bag. I'm for that. But just, you know, uh, you know, I again, college education is great. Entrepreneurialism is great. If you can do both, that's extra great. Great? Okay. Fourth topic. <laughs> so, what I didn't know, so again, I told y'all last week, my car got towed, right? So I had heated seats in my car, right? New thing, heated seats, it was cold. When I was in Utah, the car was always cold. Heated seats was, was extra gangster. So my boy, when he came down, he got this uh, Ford. Is it Ford 350? F350? Who made F350s? Who? Shit. That shame don't make a uh, difference. Do they? Okay, so F350. So he got, so I'm in the car. I sit in the car. And so I'm sitting down, and I start tingling. <laughs> I start tingling. I'm like, hey, what's happening? So I'm looking around. Who's, who's around? And I ain't noticing <laughs> Because I'm tingling for no reason. I ain't Spider-Man, so I shouldn't have no tingle at all. No, I don't got that sense, right? But I'm tingling. And so I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? What you got? What's going on? He's like, oh, I, got the, I got the cooler seats on your seat, on your side. And I was like, hey, I feel violated. <laughs> like, you, if you was going to tingle me, you should have first asked for my permission before you tingle me, man. Don't do that to me. I don't like the way this feels because it's, it's, it's just, a, you know, it's all in your, yeah, it's like it's going up in you. That's how, <laughs> that's how it just feels weird when you're in the seat. I didn't like the cold on my legs. I, I had on my shorts. And so it just didn't feel right, right? And so I, I was like, hey, cut this off. Don't do that. Please don't do that. And so it made me, got me to thinking. I was like, well, that's. Why would you want the seats to cool, cool you? And I get it. So when I get in my car, that car be, it's, it's rare that I get in my car that I don't have anymore because I don't have the car, so I can't get in it. But it's rare that before I had the car, well, before I had the car, I didn't have the car. I had another car. But it's rare that when I got in my car that I had before I got totaled, man, I would just I would just get in it and then be going, ah, ah, ooh, ah, ah, ah. Eventually, it's going to cool down. Like, your legs going to adjust to it. If you got on shorts, most of the time I had on jeans, so my legs wasn't ever burning. But I wouldn't want no tingling not doing it. <laughs> we not doing it. I, I don't want my 
Yeah, because it's tingling. The tingling carries. So before you know it, your knee down to your knees is tingling. Right up under your chest is tingling. And I was like, yeah, but is my body my freeze? Am I getting ready to be frozen? I, I just didn't. I didn't like it. So the, the tingling of the car seat, for those of you who got the tingle, the well, the cold car seat version, I don't have that. Well, I don't have a car anymore. But in my car, again, I just had the heated seats. But for those of you who had the cold seats, what y'all think about that? I don't, I don't like that. I just, I don't, yeah. As I reflect on that, I just, I feel violated. I thought about suing them, about taking them to court. <laughs> but, I, but I'm not going to do it. I got, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. So I, I just don't want no cold around my legs, uh, in between my thighs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want no cold, nothing. So if you got cold seats, hit me in the DMs. Tell me how you feel. How does that make you feel? I feel violated. If you feel comfortable because you were sitting in the seat that got cold on your hips, yeah, we don't have to have a talk. I, you might not be able to be in my friend circle anymore. Real, real talk. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. I felt violated. Just cut the cooler on, on 60, because you got the dual systems. I cut my cooler on the 60 degrees, and I can just get that cooler, nothing below my hips. Nothing below my belt needs to be cold, ever. Right, that's I'm just in the ice tub after football practice. That was extra long ago. So, yeah, I don't want to do that. Not at all. The last thing. So, I got a phobia about a lot of things, right? So, I got I got phobias about uh, spiders crawling all over my body. Uh, I got phobias about uh, being buried alive. I don't want to do that. I watch Kill Bill 2. I don't want to get buried alive. Uh, I got phobias about, uh, I th actually, I think drowning would be kind of cool. Drowning to death. That might be kind of cool. I got a fear, I got a fear about uh, getting set on fire. I ain't trying to get set on fire. I, that ain't, I ain't trying to do that right there. Or I got a, I got a fear about eating, like, raw, like an animal while still alive. Like, I, <laughs> I, that's not something I would do. I just got a fear about it. But I was thinking about, about fears. I had a conversation with some young people, right, about commitment. And what, what do commitment look like to this generation? So if you're between 17 and 30, right, or even 17, 25, like commitment, they got commitment issues, right? They, well, the one, the people that I talk to, they got commitment issues. Like they ain't trying to get married. They, they as I was told, they trying to get their body count up. <laughs> Which is bananas, because now I'm thinking about murdering folks. They're not talking about that. They're talking about something totally different. So they're trying to get their body count up, right? Because they ain't trying to be, they're the generation that's free. They, they like the Woodstock generation. I, I believe this generation, if you're on the college campus now, you kind of you got, you kind of out there, just doing your thing. It ain't about love. It's just kind of about, you know, getting to know one another, love better. You know, that's all. Like my son say, you out here looking good. I'm out here looking good. Let's look good together. But anyway, as I was talking about phobias, commitment phobia, I Googled it. The word for commitment phobia, you wouldn't guess it. <laughs> you wouldn't guess it. It's gameophobia. Gameophobia. It's a disorder. So if I got a fear of committing to somebody in a relationship, I got gameophobia. That's it. But I got to thinking, if you actually got game, 
then it makes sense that you wouldn't be committed to anybody because you're using your game to run game so you can have relationships with several people at one time, which to me ain't running game, but people that's younger, they think it's running game. So if I got five girls and they don't know each other, or I got five guys and they don't know each other and I'm dating them all separately, that ain't game to me. What's game to me is if you dating them all and they all know about each other and they choose to still date you. That's game to me, right? So any, anybody can lie and anybody can cheat and anybody can steal love that ain't that you don't deserve because you just out here in these streets wilding. Anybody can do that, right? Don't nobody know what's going on. But when you let them know what's going on, <laughs> yay, yay, that's game to me. Like you got, I would consider you having game, which makes sense that if you got game, you, it's because you date you date five people because you don't want to be committed to one. So you got a commitment issue, which is why you got game on Fabio. That's it. I get it. Then I got the light on. I need, I need, a, I need a ding, ding, ding. I need, you know what? I, I'm gonna spend. I got some ideas about how I can get some sound effects to enhance the podcast. Please let me know. Hit me in the DM so I can do that. So that, that makes complete sense to me. We off that. First five times out the gate. So we're 32 minutes in. Now, here's the deal. I go to a therapist. The reason why I started the podcast is because I just couldn't deal with, I want to bring all of me to any space. I'm a son of hip-hop, but I'm a professor. I don't want to be called Dr. Hoskins when you see me at Foot Locker. It's all good. What's up, Hotch? What's up? What's up? But when we on this campus, yes, yeah, Dr. Hodgkins, because I'm at work. I'm not at work when I'm at, uh, I'm at uh, the Funky Door getting some wine, right? So if I'm sipping on the Merlot, you know, I'm Dr. Hoskins. What's up, Hots? Let's go. Had frustration about that. And then, I, you know, she was like, hey, what you want to do with your frustrations? She's like, why don't you start a journal? I started to start a journal, but I get paid to write for a living. And so I was like, I don't want to do that because that's just extra writing. Can I start a podcast? She was like, yeah, you can start a podcast, but only if you do it right. So it looks like somebody else, you got to take it seriously. And so a facade podcast is more, right, which is about our person, our persona, and our facades, right? Anyway, so she always asked me a hip-hop question. So this hip-hop question is, what was the first hip-hop song that made you proud to be black? The first one, right? Here's the song right here. Let's go. This is a warning, another cut to move on. Another beat that's so strong, hold on, and I get wicked, and then some stir up shit as the whip gets whipped. p coming up, I'm straight low, pro-black, and it ain't no joke. Coming straight from the mob that broke shit last time, now I'm back with a brand new sick grind. Ugh. So black check time and tempo, revolution ain't never been simple. No. Following a path for mama, for no just build your brain, and we'll soon make progress. Uh, Pay uh. your dues, don't snooze or lose. Ooh. with the master plan, and got you, so no who's opposed to the dominant dark skin. Food for thought is a law for the brother. Yay, yay. <laughs> so that that that's name of that song single was called A Devil Made Me Do It. Right? And so it's at the time, so this, this song came out in 1990, right? So I don't know if y'all remember Rakim. So for, for all the younger listeners, it's this MC named Rakim Allah. He's in this group called Eric B and Rakim. Well, my favorite line of his is, I take seven MCs, put them in a line. It'll take seven more before I go for mine. No. I take seven MCs and put them in the line. It'll take seven more? No. I take seven MCs and put them in the line. Take seven more brothers who think they can rhyme. It'll take seven more before I go for mine. 
And that's 21 MCs ain't up at the same time. <laughs> and so Rakim had that type of flow, right? It was similar to Paris's. So this rapper Paris is from the West Coast, right? So he dropped his album, The Devil Made Me Do It, right? And so that album came out in 1990. He was like the first, I don't want to say the first black nationalist rapper. Like So you had Public Enemy and Chuck D and they were doing their thing in a different way than what he was. And so this, this song came out, what well, album came out in 1990 on Tommy Boy Records, sold 300,000 records. So now I know everybody can just go download a record, right? Click the button, and then it's right on your phone. So I used to have these things called record stores, right? So in Oklahoma City, they had this place called Lemons Records. And so my daddy would take me to get the Lemons Records. I got that uh, that first Houdini album. Uh, it might have had to be, man, it might have been 89. No, it's Back in Black. Houdini, I got, hey, check on that for me, by Houdini when they came out. So I had to got the Houdini album. I got the uh, Africa Bambada. So I got a lot of records from Lemons Records. You have to actually go into the record store, thumb through, it's in alphabetical order, thumb through, you know, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. Ah, that I sold. I didn't mean myself and I. I didn't get that. You're looking, you're looking, you're looking. You know, so you try to pick out the albums that you want, take it home, pull it out, put it on the record player, let it go. And now you can just download. But 300,000 records sold in 1990, is, that's almost gold. Right? So just so you know, for the listeners, 500 racks is gold. Uh, 1 million racks is, no, 500 racks is gold. 1 million racks is platinum. Uh, 5 million racks is diamond. Right? That's, that's the record label. That's how they, they determine to pay you or not pay you. But uh, based on record sales. And so that, that song by Paris, like that was really the first song that made me be like, man, I get this blackness thing, right? I understand. So even though you had X-Clan, you had Public Enemy, you had Poor Righteous Teachers, you had some other rappers that was, you know, uh, Grand Pooba, Brand Nubians, you had rappers that was, you know, doing their thing back in the day. Paris, man, I identified with that dude at the time. I identified with him. And I, and I was like, you know, I, love, I loved hip-hop because at the time hip-hop was so... It was very specific. The genres were developing. You had Gangsta Rap in WA. You had Heavy D and the Boys. They was doing a, you know, did it, did it, did it, did it, Before we got our own thing. Ah, So you had Heavy D doing his thing. You know, and just the the it was the regions were breaking. Ice T was six in the morning. Police at my door. Fresh. I did the script of my bathroom for. I'm a back window. I'm in my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school tape. <laughs> my, my bad. I heard the lyrics from back, like right now, I hear the complexity of lyrics like Kendrick Lamar, and then I compare it to Ice T. Back in the day, I was like, man, they dudes back in the day, you could hear the evolution. <laughs> I put it that way. No disrespect to nobody. You could hear the evolution, right? So imagine you got that first Mercedes Benz, and now you get the new one today. Yeah, that's, that's like the difference. Light years apart in the lyricism, right? So anyway, that was my my exercise, my answer. Like, Paris, I understood what it means to be black. You know, because to me, blackness is a state of mind. So every so you can't be... So transracial does not mean dolazol. So you don't get to be white and say, I'm black now because I believe that I am. You don't get to do that, right? So that, that's, that's not what we're talking about. To me, blackness is a state of mind. The state of being. It's like a communal, you're in a communal space where you see yourself as connected to people of the African diaspora. 
that's like to me black, right? I, I've had debates about the depth of what it means. Is it blood quantum? Is it you know? Are you black adjacent? All the other talks. I don't want you to have a deep talk. This podcast ain't for that. I talk about that on the lecture series when I go to universities. And so, yeah, that, that was it for me. Paris, Devil Made Me Do It, a great song, made me realize, you know, hey, that song made me proud to be black. Others did, but that song really made me proud to be black. So, we 39 minutes in. Either, or, neither, nor. So we, we're going to go to the either, or first, right? So, my either is GoFundMe for everything. <laughs> GoFundMe for everything. Now, I know people <laughs> who, I ain't going to say their names. I don't think they're elitists, but they told me, there's no way I would ever get on GoFundMe and ask people for money to bury my mama. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, there's no way I get on the GoFundMe and ask people for money to pay my house note or to get my. <laughs> Actually, I had this conversation since I heard him talking. Or, I put GoFundMe to uh, pay for my electric bill. I, hey, I, I've heard that. I've heard the rantings, right? So, if somebody's getting ready to come possess your car, here's the deal. You three car notes behind. If your car note is three fifty five a month, and your insurance for that car is three fifty five a month is two oh seven, right? So you at about five hundred and sixty dollars almost, and you can go online and to go fund me, right, and say, hey, I need y'all to help me pay for my car before my car gets repossessed. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> I don't understand it. And so I get it like Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Those are spaces where you create opportunities to you, you people that got content. Like once the facade podcast get to a certain level, I'm going to go on Indiegogo on Kickstarter and be like, hey, I need $20,000 to get these visuals, to shoot this documentary. We are going to create these digital series. We out here in these streets. We need the fans to help fund us so we can blow up to the next level. That's to me. I like that idea. That's the same as GoFundMe, but just not for creators. So here's, I, listen, if you need help, it's nothing wrong for GoFundMe. If you need cash app and GoFundMe is similar, but just cash app is less money, right? So if you, it's been plenty of times. I, I know young people that they was hungry. They were students. They needed money to go eat. I hit them with the $5. I hit them with the $10. I might even call in what pizza place you're going to. I'll pay for the pizza over the phone so you can get your pizza and go eat. I'm cool with that. It's nothing wrong with, with people hungry. They ask me for money. What, what I look like be, making them feel bad because they ask me for money? I am 2,000% for GoFundMe. Now, <laughs> I, I want to do a GoFundMe too, but I ain't thought of nothing. Like, I can't. I, so, I don't want what. So, what I'm not saying is I want to be a situ, in a situation of financial peril where I have to go to get on GoFundMe to need to get the money. I don't want that. Lord, if you listen to the podcast right now, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I want to do. But what I am saying is if I needed some money to do a GoFundMe, that nobody should look down on me. Don't try to belittle me 
I, I don't want to hear what you got to say about why you won't use GoFundMe. If you don't want to take use GoFundMe, that's fine. I know people that's like, hey, I bought a car. I'm always going to use a rental car when I go down the street because I don't want to put miles on my car. I think that's idiotic. The whole purpose of having a car is so you can use your car to drive the place that you want to drive. But if you want to rent a car in your own city, right, which don't make sense to me, but if you want to rent your own car in your own city because you don't want to put miles on your car, so be it. That's your car. Who am I to judge you about your car and how you drive it? Same thing with the GoFundMe. If you want to GoFundMe, matter of fact, I might put a GoFundMe to get a Tesla. <laughs> right. I might go for So Tesla, just for y'all, I just found Sidebar. I was going to get a Tesla. I was like, hey, I know people that got Teslas. I want to get it. But my route to get to Oklahoma City from here, it's like 510 miles. Tesla don't make a battery that couple 510 miles. And on that route, I was like, well, then I can't get one because I'm going to stall out in Lynchville and I might be hanging from a tree. <laughs> right? So we're not going to do that. But guess what I found? I found an alternative route. They got a 30-minute supercharger that's like two hours away. So technically, I could drive that Tesla to the supercharger, charge up for 30 minutes. By the time I watch an episode of uh, Insecure, my car's charged. I can make it to my daddy's door in like three hours after that. So I think I do want to get a, char a Tesla. So here's the deal. If I do a GoFundMe to get my Tesla, and I realize there's levels to the Tesla. So if you come in at the bottom level, you're about at uh, $53,000 for your Tesla. But by the time you put on a designer rims, you get the tinted windows, you get the self-driving Tesla, which I'll never do because I want to drive my own car, you're at $83,000. So I, <laughs> I think I got an idea. I might use the GoFundMe to fund my Tesla so I can get out here and test it out and drive it, you know, see if it works so I can promote it. I would use that car to promote it right to the middle class. Hey, buy this Tesla. It's a pretty good idea. Get out here and whip on these streets. Do that. So, yeah, that, hey, I, I might do that. I might do that. So that. That's my either. My either is go for me for everything. Food, nanny, you want to get your car painted, you want to get some new suits, get your hair and nails did, whatever you want to do, don't let people talk you out of using GoFundMe because you'll be amazed how many people. If you want to get the uh, stomach surgery because you you sitting on 405 <laughs> and you 49, you want to get that surgery, hey, don't let nobody talk you out of saving your life. You want to get your wisdom teeth pulled and your insurance only covers 200 of that. I got my wisdom teeth pulled. Wisdom teeth get pulled like eight hundred dollars. So you got you got the windfall, but your mouth is sore. You can't even eat. You, all your food's eating on the left side of your mouth. It's okay to get your GoFundMe because somebody out there is going through your exact same experience, one hundred percent. So ask them for help financially so they can give you money so you can get whatever it is that you want to get. So GoFundMe. That's my either. Now my or is ADHD. Yeah, I think I got ADHD, right? But I'm cool with it. Here's why I'm cool with it. So, people have told me on the podcast, hey, you be rambling on the podcast. Hey, you bring up a subject and you say sidebar. And then you go off on a whole other tangent and people can't keep up with you because you on a whole other tangent. And I be like, hey, that's who I am. I don't try to say sidebar 
on purpose. When I say sidebar, my brain is saying you got three different stories that's telling. When I'm talking to y'all on the podcast, I'm hearing two other stories while I'm talking to you about this story right here. So what I want to do is bring those other stories in and out of this conversation. Actually, I don't want to. I want to hear those stories magnified vocally from me. Right, so it's like three people talking in my head. So I want to hear the other two people talking, but those other two people talking are just me. So it's like I got a again person persona facade. They all want to talk on the mic, so I got to give them space to come to the front while the other two step in the back. So when I say sidebar, the other day I was in in the mall and I got some Chinese food from this one place, and it was extra good, right? Because they had this pineapple mango sauce. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you it tastes extra good, I put it on my cereal. If I had to, that's how good it was. And get back to the topic, I didn't want to do that, right? But myself told myself, it's time for you to step up and tell your story, right? So I got, I do probably have ADHD, but I haven't been diagnosed formally. But here's why I accept and support it. People say that our brains, we only use what, 10% of our brains? Right? So my pops, he's doing his thing. Right? He grows up in a world where they got radios and they got books. Right? So they ain't had no TV until he got upper, you know, until he can afford the black TV, black and white TV, moved out, was doing his thing. My pops graduated in 56. So imagine the era, no cable, uh, a couple color, couple, couple TVs that was in color. Most TVs in black and white, but most people had a radio where they gathered around the radio and listened to shows like the Facade Podcast, but not the podcast, but like a TV show, but you didn't have a TV because you couldn't see it, but that's how you listen to the show, so you imagine how it went down in your mind, right? And so that's how they did it. But at that time, it was a little different. So his brain was sorting through listening to the radio at one time. That's it. He had, his brain had one task. So when he was reading, it was likely that the radio wasn't on. So he's either doing the reading or he was doing the listening to the radio show, right? Two things done separately. No multitasking. Multitasking wasn't a term in 56 because they weren't doing it. Fast forward to now. I saw my daughter studying for comprehension with one AirPod in her ear while she's watching TV. <laughs> I was like, what? What's going what are you doing? I like, so I tried to quiz her. So I quizzed her. And so I, I ended up doing a little rap to learn how to quiz. We was doing uh, elements, uh, gaseous, uh, gases, solid, liquid. Yeah. And I, we carried a little rap so she could memorize it, blah, blah, blah. But my point was, I was like, Isis, how you going to do some learning? Why are you doing that? She was like, Daddy, I got this. I'm studying for a test. You're watching TV. While you listen to music, and she's doing that all at the same time while she's studying. Three things at once. And that got me to thinking. Maybe the human brain uses more than 10%, right? So, like, maybe ADHD is the natural evolution of the brain, right? So, instead of, instead of you giving your child Ritalin, you need to be encouraging your child because maybe your child's not distracted. So, people frame ADHD as distracted. Right? So you take the medicine to make your brain only focus on the radio or reading a book. But what you need to be doing is not having your kids on medicine at all. Uh-uh. Let their brains evolve to the natural order where they're doing three or four things well for a, a brief period of time, for an hour, 
you know, for 40 minutes, for 30 minutes. Let your kids' brains do that. Because I found that when I study or when I write, if I got music on, it calms me down. So my brain is calm, so I don't hear those three voices trying to step to the front. I just hear the one voice that's reading or writing or doing a lit review or whatever it's doing or creating while I got music calming me down. So I'm calm and my one voice is at the front, my creative voice or my scholarly voice or whatever voice it is that I'm going, that I'm dealing with at the time. I don't see that as ADHD as bad. Like I support that. I, it's, some people will say I'm wandering or I'm rambling, but I don't think so. It sounds random to you. Because you're just not hearing it when I tell it to you. I've heard it in my head for an hour and a half before I verbalize it to you. So it's not random to me. It's not a random occurrence. It's random to you. So don't say that I got ADHD. And if I probably do, then say that I got ADHD. Matter of fact, I may want to get tested. I could. I guess I, I probably should get tested. I, I already think that I already have ADHD. But I get. you know what? I'll probably get tested. And then I'll come back and let y'all know. Even though I already know that I can because I already know that I have it. But you, I got, if I got ADHD, that's a good thing. Because I, I I'm not a jack of all trades. I'm a jack of all wonderment. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. I'm a jack of all wonderment. So when my mind is wandering, it's in a place that, of coherency to me. Right? So it may seem like a scrambled thought to you, but it's not. It's all cohesive. It's all connected. It's just separate in my mind. Does that make sense? Well, I, I, it don't have to make sense to y'all because I know what it means to me. So my either is go for me for everything <laughs> or ADHD. Like, I believe in ADHD. That's got, that's got to be the natural evolution of ADHD. So if you listen to my podcast right now while you vacuuming the floor, while you on the phone, hearing and comprehending everything that I do, and say applause to you. I'm right there with you. We got ADHD together. And for the people that try to look at us and be like, uh, you can't focus. You need to just sit down and I'm am focusing. I'm am focusing. I'm just not focusing like you focus. And I bet you if we took a test about that, whatever we was talking about, if I'm grilling or while I got a podcast on, while I'm on the computer checking things, I'm doing all those things efficiently. 100%. Because you ain't had my skinless chicken thighs with that mango barbecue sauce. Man. Salaps, salaps, salaps. <laughs> and extra slaps. It's extra yummy for your tummy. 100%. But that's my either or. Now, my neither nor. We're 53 minutes in. And I, and I wish I had a call in line because I'm going to make some people uncomfortable. So I got, when we pulled the data off of the uh, Stitcher and uh, Apple and uh, Spotify about our listenership, it breaks it down by gender, right? And so our gender, we got like 53% men that listen to the Facade podcast across all ages. And then we got like 47% women that listen to the Facade podcast across all ages. And so, ladies, if you're listening and you married or you got a boyfriend, if you're a guy, you might want to leave the room right now because it's about to get a little uncomfortable, maybe for you. Here's what I'm trying to not, I, I don't understand. This is the neither for me. What's the rationale for you being a grown man and being addicted to being in a strip club? <laughs> I want to know what that is, what that's about. Is it addiction? Like, I don't like strip clubs. I never have really liked them. That's not my place to be in. It's just, it's, so, a couple things. So, a strip club environment is extra smoky, right? So, it's a whole lot of cigarette smoke going on in there. So, it's bad for your lungs, 
right? So if you get uh, emphysema because you went to the strip club, you could avoid that emphysema and avoid using your copay for your insurance, right? You could avoid that. Secondly, it's a buffet. <laughs> it's a buffet in the strip club. I said, I don't understand why people, so people walk around naked, half naked, and food in the same environment? Ooh, like, I don't know. Like, like I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that by my food, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that don't, that don't go together, especially if it's a male. So, they got, so most strip clubs, they're gender specific, but some strip clubs, they're, they're not. So, men and women are walking around half naked. Just out there moving around. <laughs> they moving around. Why they moving around? And I don't want that moving around to some people get sweaty. I don't want your sweat in my nachos. We're not doing, we're not doing that. So that. That's another reason why I wouldn't go to strip club. A third reason is because it costs too much. It's like $20. To go to strip club. And then, some people, depending on what city you go to, table there's be $100, be $500, be $1,000, be, you know, uh, champagne room in the back or whatever. I'm not paying that. I'm not. My, I'm, I invest my money in businesses. I don't invest my money in strip culture. That ain't me. I'm not into that. But I know people that's into that. Like, they really into that. Really into that. Like, they got, they got, I've seen the app. <laughs> so you know that app, oh, what's the name of that app? Uh, uh, so my boy, one of, well, not necessarily my boy, but I know somebody that's a strip club aficionado, right? He got this app that allocates his money. So when you click on the app, it says, you know, so he may have uh, uh, Netflix, he may have a uh, lunch budget, he may have uh, uh, gas, he may have, uh, you know, Stuff, internet or whatever expenses, but then he got a relaxation, and I was like, "What's the, what's the relaxation allocated to?" When he touched it, he clicked on it. <laughs> it was in light yellow, right? It was strip allotment, so he got a strip allotment. It's like ninety six dollars, and I was like, "That's an odd number for to give a strip to throw your money out." Like the ninety fifth dollar, you say to yourself, "I only got one more." One more strip that I can <laughs> that I can throw out to get the strip. I'm like, how does that work? But it's an app, so explain it to me. But it, I mean, it's a really good app. Well, if I knew the name of the app, I would actually tell you what the name of the app was. But I don't really know what it is. But it's a it's a great app for those of you who want to do some money management. And then, so it's another it's another podcast that I listen to that is about uh, money management. And I think I'm finna uh, uh, listen. Money matters. Yeah, listen. Money matters. It's a great. Uh, thing about how to invest your money, uh, about uh, yields, about um, interest rates, compounding interest, all that type of stuff. Great. And so, but on his phone, that app tells him how much money under relaxation is allotted for stripping. Sorry, not for him stripping, but for him to pay for stripping. Well, he has to pay to get into the strip club to participate in stripping. Well, he's not a stripper, but he gets to throw the money into the air. That's how he participates. $96, which is kind of odd. But He's married. And I be thinking, is his wife saying, how does that conversation go? Like, is he saying, hey, baby, I'm getting ready to go to the strip club and invest in somebody's future? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what he's saying? Or is he not saying, I'm going to the strip club? And then he's just going to the strip club, and his wife don't know that he's at the strip club? And is that lying or is that concealing? Is that concealing? Like, if I don't tell you something that I'm doing, am I lying? So I can't lie about a question that was never asked of me, right? So if you don't ask me a question, I can't lie about it. So can I be deceitful if you don't ask me a question 
that I don't want to tell you the answer to because you haven't asked it yet? Is that deceitful? I can't avoid that question because you haven't asked that question. So I don't know. I, I'm, that's something else I've been thinking about, right? But those are just hard definitions of but deceit and, you know, all that stuff here. So anyway, how's that conversation going? Like, how do you say to your, to your spouse, hey, honey, uh, me and the girls, we're getting ready to go to the strip club because, uh, you know, Diamond Mountain is in the building. What? <laughs> what? And like as a husband, like how do you respond to that? Like do you be on some, hey, does that patriarch kick in right there? And you be like, hey, uh, I don't want you go. I'm uncomfortable with you going to the strip club, right? Because you're my wife and you don't need to be going to the strip club. Uh, like are you, how that feminist, if your wife is a feminist, she might clap back on you and be like, hey, well, uh, you don't get to tell me, you don't get to police my my woman's body, so I'm going to wherever I want to go to. Uh, I'm married to you. I'm not going to cheat on you. If you're insecure right now, you need to go get over yourself. I'll see you when I get back. Like, you might hear that. Does that, does that, does that traumatize you as a husband? How does that look for your marriage? They're like, so, eh? I, like, I don't know about that, about the strip club. Like, what's the rules? What's the rules on stripping in a marriage? Like, well, I mean, I'm sure if you're in a marriage and there's stripping going on because you're married, I mean, you live together. So that's cool. But I'm talking about, like, stripping, like strip club uh, uh, participation. Like, not as a stripper. So if your spouse is a stripper, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. And marriage has got all kind of different rules. I don't know what rules apply to you and your marriage. Ain't nobody in my house stripping. At all, I don't got the body strip. Even though, well, I mean, I do got, I do got a body that I could strip. But yeah, it, yeah, I, the women would have to be not like partially blind or have cataracts, but you know that, or in you know, a little slightly inebriated for me to be extra fine. As I think I am when I look in the mirror. If I was a stripper, but yeah, ain't no stripping going on in my house. Well, there's stripping going on in my house, but it ain't no stripping. Neither one of us are strippers. So if your spouse is a stripper, uh, that's a whole nother situation. But, like, hit me the DMs. Like, I want to know, what does that mean? How do you negotiate getting out the house to go to the strip club to invest in somebody else's future, you know, or to invest in your marriage, your ultimate divorce? Like, <laughs> like depending on the rules of your marriage, you could be investing in your divorce, right? So that that's my first neither. My nor, okay, so, again, I don't want to police nobody's body. Men or women, right? The other day I got in the car. It was 114 degrees in the car. It was extra, man. It felt like I was eating sweat sandwiches. That's how I felt. It was extra hot. Like when sweat is running down your face and you taste it and it's just extra salt. It's like I'm drinking out of a salt shaker. It's like I'm thinking, I'm hearing yin-yang in my mind. Shake it like a salt shaker. Shake it like a salt shaker. Like that's how hot it is. But I was thinking to myself like, Man, it's hot in this car right now. I need to get up out of here. I stood out. I got out of the hot car that was 114 to stand in the 102 degree heat after I started my car to wait till the air came on in my car. And maybe then I guess I could have went for some tingling in my thighs because it was extra hot. And I could have appreciated some cold seats at the time. But I, again, I don't have neither. My car told about I got we got a second, not another car. But that car don't have cold seats. Either that car got hot seats. But that's a whole, that's a whole other discussion. But I would have appreciated that. Right? And so that gets to this to my neck, to my oar. My oar is short shorts. <laughs> my noar, sorry, my noar is short shorts. Like if you're a guy, right? And again, I'm not judging anybody. If you're a guy and you're not in the gym 
and you got shorts on, and I can see your cheeks. <laughs> when you out walking on campus, especially on campus, I guess students ain't on campus, you still wrong for that, right? And I can see your cheeks, as, well, actually not even in the gym. As a guy, you should never have your cheeks exposed. So, well, it, you know what? I'm taking, I'm taking everything back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw a hard line right now in the sand. Guys, never wear shorts to show your cheeks, period. Now, I don't want to sound sexist. I'm not saying it's okay for any gender to wear shorts where you can show your cheeks. Women, who am I as a man to tell you to expose, to, you can't expose your cheeks. Women, if you want to expose your cheeks and your shorts, feel free to do that. My question is, how short is too short for shorts on a person? How short is two shorts? Like, I mean, it's, it's peak, the shorts is out, man. It's hot outside, and I get it. To me, this is why I draw the line. Like, I draw the line at your shorts are too shorts. If, I, if your shorts are cut and I can see your pockets of your shorts hanging down out from underneath the shorts, that's too short to me. That's just too short. Like, if, if I can see your pockets hanging out, I can see your thighs, your inside where you put your money at, I can see your pocket lining of your pockets are longer than your jean shorts, shorts are too short. They're too short. Now, the cheeks thing is a whole other thing because I don't ever want to see guys' cheeks in any capacity. But I get it. If you just hot, well, I don't, I don't get it. But that's my question to the listeners. What is too short for shorts for anybody to walk outside of the house with, right? What's too short for shorts? And, again, I'm not the fashion police. I'm a fashion aficionado because when I roll out, my friends be extra fresh. So, hey. I get it. When I wear shorts, I like camos. I like camouflage shorts. I like the camouflage pink print. I like the camouflage uh, uh, burgundy print, the red print, the white and the gray the winter joint, the navy blue. The, you know, I like all the camo, camo shorts. That's me. Uh, I don't wear the dad shorts, even though I am a dad. I don't wear the shorts that's got a cuff like your pants with pleats in the front. <laughs> You're looking extra wild crazy. You look like you be hanging out with my daddy and his homeboys they be playing dominoes. That's the group you need to be hanging in even though you're only 35. Don't do that. Don't wear men. Don't buy shorts that look like slacks that got cut at the knee. <laughs> Please don't do that. That's extra violation. Don't do that at all. Please don't do that. So that's, that's my nor. So my neither is this rationale for strip club uh, patronage. Right? Because I don't do that. And my nor is what short is two shorts for shorts. Right? Okay, y'all got it. So, I almost dropped a phone. We getting ready to get into my favorite part of the show, which is what we not going to do. Right? So, what we not going to do in an hour and six minutes, what we not going to do is we not going to shame white parents for adopting black kids. Right? We're not going to do that. So the work that I do, right, is Community Village was created. And so what we do is we fly around the country, teach white parents how to raise black kids. If you've adopted or you foster parent to a black kid. That's great. That's love. Right? I know a lot of people that be complaining that's like pro-black, extra, be like, hey, white kids shouldn't be getting raised by black parents. And, you know, part of my retort is... Black kids couldn't get adopted by white kids, by white parents, and black families didn't get their kids away for adoption. I'm going to put a pin in that. Let that marinate. So, Jenna Pickett-Smith, they got the Red Table Talk. Her and her mama, they uh, they had a, a Red Table Talk around 
white parents raising black kids, and this is kind of how it went. How has raising black children made you more aware of white privilege? This is what I want to say from a white person adopting. You absolutely do not fully understand. There's no doubt. Right. There's no doubt. There's no way you could. Right. Yeah. Because you could understand that you live in white privilege, and that's a theory, and you could see things. Right. But it's one thing to be watching it, you know, happening to other people. people. And it's another thing when it's your child. Yeah. And you haven't personally been through it. It is. A, it's, a, it's a big issue. It's something that I think about every day and every night. That is very interesting. 100%. That's extra interesting, right? And so with the work that we do with the community village, I'm, I tell white parents all the time, like, well, Nedra tells white parents all the time, like, your love ain't going to be enough to save your black child, right? So when you drop your black child off at school, nobody knows they got a white parent, right? So your whiteness don't hover over them to protect them, right? So when they get pulled over, police will say, hey, Oh, wait, no, no, you got a white parent, you're good. You get to go. No one shares necessary. You're good for the day. Like, that, that's not how it works, right? So part of it is, and I, I make the challenge. I say, hey, your ability to teach your black child how to make white people comfortable, that's going to be the key. That, that, don't, that ain't going to save them, but they're going to get harassed less. They're going to be seen as less threatening. They're going to be less vilified. Right? And that space. And so I didn't so I didn't so who asked the question at the beginning, that's that's Jada's mom. Right? So it was Jada, her mom, Kristen Davis, she was on Sex and the City, right? She adopted two black children, and they had this discussion about how you raise black children when you're not black, especially when you're white, juxtaposed to the legacy of slavery and white ownership of black bodies during that time. And so it was a, it was a really a really informative conversation. It was a brief like uh, so many questions. I was like, oh, I wish I could have been there to answer those questions or ask some questions, right? And so it was it was it was a really pointed conversation. About, it's more raising black kids is more than making sure they're not ashy, uh, making sure that their hair is braided and combed, right? Or learn how to cook soul food. Like it's holistically, how are you invested in blackness, right? As a white person or any person that's not. Black raising black kids. How are you invested? What was your perceptions about what it meant to be black before? Like, were you afraid of black people, <laughs> or, or you, were you brainwashed to see as this threatening? Right before you received your black child, then be mindful. You may have love for that one black child, but you gotta have love for the rest of us too, because your black children gonna grow up and have black friends, and they gonna bring those black friends over, and they gonna be in that black community. It's gonna be times when you gotta take your black son to that barbershop as the white father, and you don't even white person sitting in there. Extra uncomfortable. <laughs> I just seen it, right? And that's part of it, because black people are uncomfortable, some of us, in white spaces all the time, right? So you got to teach your black child how to navigate whiteness, which you can do, because you are white, or whatever you are, whatever racialized you know, group that you fall into, you got to teach your child how to navigate that, and you got to teach them how to be black when you're not black. <laughs> right? And so a lot of people have some criticisms about it, about how, again, white people shouldn't raise black children. Again, we're not going to shame. That's, so what we're not going to do is shame white parents for wanting to love black children. Because black children need love. They need love. I didn't grow up in a group home. Right? And so if you don't get adopted, you're going to be in a group home. That's all foster home. Right? And so 
If somebody loves you, somebody wants to love black, we, we in an era where loving black ain't hot <laughs> in these streets. It ain't safe. It's hot for us. It's safe for us. But when we do it with each other, but outside of that, anybody that want to love black, a black child, a black adult, I'm 2,000% supportive. I'm in support of that. Do that. Love, hug on us, love on us. You know, make sure that our lives are, are preserved because I want to be a centurion. 100%. I talked to God about it already. We're going to make that happen. And I want to spend my 99 years to when I get to my 100th birthday doing the best that I can to show how to love and, and support those who love blackness, black kids and black adults. And so that's what we're not going to do for the last time. If you know somebody that's white, they got black kids, be inquisitive. Support that person. Put, fold them into your black community because they got to learn. Right? They're not going to walk up to you on some, well, I, I, this is my son, Thaddeus, uh, and you're black, and so he needs a black mentor. Can I have your number? Like, it's not going to go down like that. So reach out. They, they'll reach back. Trust me. They'll, they'll reach back. And if they're arrogant enough to not reach back, just pray for that black child because that, <laughs> you know, hey, the worst thing that you can do is raise a black child and you ain't black and you teach that black child to hate being black. Because you didn't teach them how to love being black. That's 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 extra sad. I, I wish I had a sad song I could play. That's extra sad. That's extra trash on your on your part. Because shit already did the work before you received your black child. So you would be informed about what it means to be black. So you could do it the right way. Right? And so we, we are hour and 12 minutes in. I'm off that. Tom Bow. Right? So I got a Tom Bow. This is the Tom Bow. If your brain was a DJ, right, what would it play on repeat? Right? When I, when I thought that was that was a cool that was a cool something, right, to, to challenge me as a person, what would I what would I play? Right? And so I had a I had a list of songs that I accidentally deleted. <laughs> but I know some of them songs would be so I got my uh let me give you some clips of what I would play. I play this Respect the Game by Meek. 100%. It's the Jay-Z sample. My brain, if I could just cut it on, I'm waiting for the implant so I can have my iTunes in my head, right? Big bag. Got him big mad. And get into some money. And my bad. Jumping out the rose truck. With the temp tag. I'm getting money. I don't get mad. I had that on play. I have uh what else would I have on play? What else I have on play? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh let me see. Uh, uh, what's the name? Is this it? No. Is that it? Listen, okay? Let me just say this. 
If a with me, right? All of me. Sometimes he with me at all times. All times. Yes. No. You know he be out here trying to play mind games with us. Like I ain't got time for that. No. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got time for that. Uh. Like the only uh. way to get money too. Like just get money too. Mm. My time is money. Don't waste my uh, time. Uh. I am not like these. I be penicillin' in the. Uh, uh. I mean I'm chillin' in the. Uh, uh. Made a million in the. Uh, uh. A trash actress. We're not even gonna talk about that. I'm all about that technology. That'd be all gang gang. I would love to just load into the back of my neck and then we're good. <laughs> I would 100% love to do that. 100%. And so yeah, that that's that was the question. If I was a DJ, what songs would be playing in my head, right? Which is a good question because I can rock out in my head and nobody else hear me. You, I almost think I'm having a seizure because I'm going in. If I don't have the earpods in, if I'm rocking my head to songs in my head, don't interrupt me. Don't tap me, don't bother me. I'm okay. Don't do that. I'm okay. Thank you for not bothering me. I appreciate that. So that, that's my Tom about question. So we had, we are minute in, we are hour 17 minutes in. This is the detangle. We finna get out of here. Here's the thing. I'm joining 100 black men. I met with my brother's keeper. They serve two completely different types of people in the city. My detangle is never be beyond reproach, right? So we talk about, I got a real harsh criticism for white supremacy, but I ain't really got no criticism for black accountability. Now I got one, right? Because I got to meet with elders in both communities, right? So I'm responsible for not living a life of criminality. But I'm responsible for not turning my back on people that I see going in the wrong direction and say, well, they don't live in my house. I need to be a humanist, right? So what ways do I say, hey, 
I got to help these kids in the community. They live in two different spaces. The kid that got the 3.8, they need money to go to Southern Methodist University because it's $64,000 a year, which is Luda. Then you got kids that's getting a 2.1. Those kids need help too because they want to go to college too. They need scholarships. Where's the scholarship money for the kid with the 2.3 that's trying to go to school, right? Those kids got they two different types of kids. I can't be beyond reproach. Like the community need to hold me accountable. Not because I'm Dr. Hoskins, but because I'm a person that's come from a community. My community looks just like this community in the city I'm in now. I just wasn't born and raised here. I need to have that same energy that I got when I'm in Oklahoma City trying to help kids, that I had in Salt Lake City when I was trying to help kids, that when I lived in Macon, Georgia, I was trying to help kids, that when I'm in the city now, I'm trying to help kids. I'm not beyond reproach, right? If I make a mistake, hold me accountable. I'm going to rise to every, every single elder in my community that got expectations. I'm going to rise to your expectations, 100%. I'm going to salute you. I'm going to follow your guidance. I'm going to show you generational deference unless you're on some leftness. If you're going too far left, I can't support that, but I'm not going to confront you. you my elder, right? And I'm going to close out with this. My grandma, Maddie, used to always say this. If you can deal with the generational consequences of your actions... Do whatever you want. Be mindful of that. Sometimes the things that you do now, your great-great-grandkids are going to have to suffer from it or win from it. So control your actions, right? Control yourself and control the circumstances around you and your community. None of us are beyond reproach. And that's my detangle. Side podcast, we dropping tonight, 12.03 in the morning. Happy Friday. Listen to us. Follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. We out here. We'll be back next Wednesday. Gang, gang.